0: What exactly is specialty care management? And how can it help your plan be more effective and more efficient? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers.
1: Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs. Have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at ShiftShaperStrategies.com. And now, here's your host. StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman.
0: On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Craig Clemente. Craig is President and COO at Specialty Care Management. Now, We spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about different aspects of the healthcare arena that we can look at and all the different components so that we can help our clients develop plans that are both more efficient and more effective. And one of the areas that is often talked about and sometimes confused with a bunch of other stuff, so we'll unconfuse you today, is this area called specialty care. And we invited Craig, who's an expert on all things specialty care, to chat with us today. Welcome, Craig.
2: Thank you, David. Thank you for having me.
0: It's our pleasure. So let's level set and talk about what specialty care is and maybe even what it isn't.
2: Absolutely. As we all know, there are certain subsets of claims that cost a plan the majority of the dollars that are spent. And so as we look at it as specialty care management, we look at that as being defined as catastrophic from a claims perspective with obvious correlation to the clinical components as well. But it is defined as a claims, as a claims exposure element rather than, than necessarily just as a clinical component.
0: Does that mean that you only look at a dollar threshold?
2: Absolutely not. I think it's important, whatever risk management strategy a plan is looking to implore and put in place, it's really important that they understand that there's obviously the financial benefit to that, but also that while it's centered on them as the client, ultimately, that there's a a true focus and and a center fulcrum around the patient and the overall patient experience as well. And then uh, uh, coming up with the correct balance of those two and how to make sure you're enhancing the value proposition to both. The plan and the member population is obviously a win-win for for everybody.
0: So I guess the question is, if it isn't just financially exposure-driven, is it code-driven? Are there certain particular conditions that tend to generally have this kind of an exposure problem and that would automatically draw your attention?
2: absolutely and I, and i think that the nature of high dollar high high risk claims comes in in several forms but if you look at any reports any of the annual reports that some of the larger carriers put out it's fairly there's a lot of continuity in in what those are uh, obviously very high level some of those things are specialty drugs uh certainly cancer is at the top of the list uh different different types of cancer are at the top of the list organ transplant does tend to be up there and outpatient dialysis and the risk of that is unique within that structure as well simply because there are certain things that are defined as catastrophic by as far as the nature of the claims that are episodic they're 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 single either single use or single time incidents whereas there are other things drugs tend to tend to fall into this category. At least some of them do. And certainly outpatient dialysis falls into this category where it's it's chronic in both the clinical nature of it and and it's, it's chronic in the way that it's an ongoing procedure that's going to continuously be both high dollar and high cost.
0: So, okay, we, we've kind of de- determined now that there's a triangulation that you guys do, that it's not just a cost-driven thing or a code-driven thing. And that, that makes a lot of sense. The next question I guess I would ask is, what's the point of entry? Do companies who talk about specialty care management, do they get involved at point of diagnosis? How does that work? Is that a TPA-driven process or physician or plan-driven process? How does the mechanics of all of that work?
2: Well, I think first and foremost, any solution that's put in place, regardless of the the type of solution, but certainly as we focus on the outpatient dialysis component, understanding that before we even talk about the the entry point it's important to understand the intention of the plan document and structuring and building a foundation in a plan structure plan design and ultimately plan language that supports the benefits that you that you're intending to to have your membership have access to with that said once those absolutely foundational components are in place and are in pl- place properly, which is obviously a key component to any solution that you put in place for dialysis or otherwise is making sure you have the right plan language built around that. But once that's once that's in place, understanding that the the further upstream that you catch an inherent risk, the better. So while when we're looking specifically at outpatient dialysis individuals where they're starting... From specialty care management's perspective, we'd love to come in when the member is about to start and so that we can transition them into an optimal start, both financially and clinically. However, very often that's not the case. It's great that, you know, the programs, ours specifically and others like ours can typically be put into place, not only on renewal or anniversary, but also at any time during both policy plan and care. Treatment plan, so it can be put in time, in place at any time, to to help get that cost under control. But again, having it be upstream, identifying through data and and clinical intervention, you know who are at most at the highest risk for ending up on dialysis at some point, uh, and then helping to clinically manage them appropriately away from that end result would be the best practice.
0: So when you when you build the language in your plan document is this something that you specify certain conditions and mandate how does the plan document reflect the need for you guys to get involved more upstream
2: Great question. And that's a that's a really nuanced-based question, which, which we really appreciate that level of detail. It is really important that we look at this not as a diagnosis, right? And in, in that you cannot be discriminatory in any way in your plan document, whether that's for, again, dialysis or anything else. So what we, this is all centered around is procedure, uh, specifically the procedure of outpatient Dialysis, right? So as you're structuring and as we structure at, at specialty care management, you have to have the the right ability to structure your plan design and then ultimately your language to meet the needs of that specific uh, legal construct. Meaning, what is the network? How does you know what are the restrictions? You know what are the restrictions and limitations as defined uh, within the network access agreement? Um, what? authority does the plan have and autonomy does the plan have to be able to make decisions on their own without needing formal approval from another entity? These are all really important nuance-based questions that need to be determined before you figure out how you introduce your plan document language. But once you do, it is, it's inherently or it's ubiquitous that it has to be done in a way that is not based on, for example, ESRD, but is based on the procedure of outpatient dialysis to make sure that you are uh, fully compliant within your plan language.
0: At what point does that, assuming that you write your plan language appropriately, whatever that means for your particular plan, at what point does the patient become involved or the employee become involved? Do you do this in education and plan meetings? Do, does a particular diagnosis automatically trigger involvement of a specialty make specialty care management company, where do you bring in the employee?
2: Great question. I think there's a lot of opportunity for employee engagement in a traditional structure. If you're in the world of outpatient dialysis, if, if you're just managing that component of it, the outpatient dialysis, I think it's, it's important that you get to the patient as soon as possible, right? And so sometimes, as I mentioned, it can be brought in mid-treatment. So even if the individual has been on Uh, dialysis for an extended period of time, it's important that, that you interface with them and you kind of complete the circle of education with them. Patient advocacy for us at specialty care management is a huge component of our value Understanding that, you know, we want to enhance the member experience and make sure that they're maximizing their overall benefits package, educating them about things like Medicare, Medicare secondary payer rules and regulations, um, how they can leverage that to mitigate the risk of balanced billing, for example, uh, is a really important component of what, what we do and the value that we drive. And that has obviously nothing to do with the financial component to the plan. So that's really key. However, I'll go back to my my previous statement. The further upstream that you can engage with an individual, the better chance that you have of keeping them from the end result of ending up on dialysis or having them, if they are going to end up sort of going off that cliff, having them set up for an optimal start be fully educated as to what modality uh, would be best for them and best suited for the comfort and of their lives, and make sure that they are going to be as healthy and productive as they want to be and as, a, as their employers uh, hope that they, they can be.
1: And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at ShiftShaperStrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at Shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshapersstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion.
0: Well, you know, as a former TPA, I mean, one of the things that I've talked about for a long time is the challenge we have in our industry when we try to get ahead of these things or upstream as you so aptly call it is that we suffer from what i call rearview mirror syndrome all of this stuff that needs to be engaged early sometimes doesn't get engaged until the middle of the process is are there ways that you can build a plan so that you do get engaged earlier on cuz i mean we speak, we spent a lot of time talking about dialysis But there's also cancer and transplants and air ambulances, which we'll talk about in a minute, and specialty drugs. There are a lot of different moving parts where you guys get involved. How do you build a plan and create a population that understands, absent an advocate of some kind, that you guys need to get involved early? How do you move that further upstream?
2: Yeah, I think it's through collaboration with the the plan and their representation, and and through education at that level of understanding what the return on investment is to them and how this ultimately benefits their members. Again, to your point, uh, whether or not it's specialty case management uh, centered around oncology, we do have that program, for example. Whether or not it's understanding how to best manage your population of of, of renal disease in, in in so much that you're managing your diabetics and you're managing those with diagnosed with chronic kidney disease understanding how we can get into them and then from there helping educate the employer and their representation and coming up with a strategy for internal promotion, it's always important to us that we have that a very robust strategy centered around utilization of the program, right? Because the program can be great in concept and it can be great in structure. And if if folks aren't taking advantage of it and it's not being properly promoted and utilized, then really you just have this, you know, you have this Ferrari sitting in the garage, but you don't know how to drive, right? And so we want to make sure that we, collaborate with the plan and the representation to make sure that whether that's through open enrollment, whether that's through some type of campaign where you're doing that, you know, in break rooms or as part of your your monthly meetings or through payroll stubs and, and messaging through that. Ultimately, I think one other key component is you always try to find that individual within the member population that's going to be your Kind of vocal champion, your your internal supporter, and have that and promote that person, so that you sort of have that whisper campaign that happens at the water cooler or or whatever the water cooler looks like these days, so that they are saying, hey you know, this this program is fantastic. I've really benefited. I've had all these wonderful things happen in my life. And it's a present from our group. Our, our group is really enhancing our employers, enhancing our overall benefit package with me in mind, with us and our wellness in mind. And I think that's a key way to make sure that you're framing that in the way that makes the most sense to engage and have that high engagement rate.
0: Yeah, we've, we've chatted a lot about how do you drive engagement on, on the podcast. And, and I think constant communication is what drives ex- excellent engagement. I, I don't think there's any other way to really do it. So I, I agree with you. Let's, let's pivot for a minute and talk about a cost that's just eating employer's lunch and that's specialty drugs and which also seems only to be going in one direction, which is more expensive as time goes on. How do you intercede with that? What, what kind of a patient experience do you have? Do you, do you work with docs as well? What can you do to help manage those outrageously expensive costs?
2: Yeah. And, and I will say that specialty care management, while we do not have a specific solution for specialty drugs, we do work with several companies that, that really manage specifically in that space. I think there's a lot of, to your point, I think there's a lot of innovation happening within the specialty drug space to make sure that patient, again, patient experience is, is enhanced, but that we are able to protect the plans from the, from the extreme costs that we're seeing. It's really important to understand that the, the solution I, as as I see it as somewhat of an outsider is really that we're not looking to not cover, right? Like that's not, we're, we're looking because there are things that are coming out, technologies and drugs that are coming out that are there to enhance people's lives and make people's lives better. So the, the goal isn't necessarily not to cover it. The goal is to find a more effective way to pay for it. And I do think that there are a lot of companies out there, or at least there's a couple of companies out there that do, uh, that have a unique approach to that in managing it to your point, physician to physician or, or managing that in a, in a way that is upfront. And agreed to so that it's not quite as murky as some of the some of the ways that we've managed this traditionally.
0: I know one of the things that we talked about in our pre-interview was air ambulances. What's going on with that? I mean, it's another really, really big cost.
2: Yeah, and an air ambulance is one of those costs that just continues to grow. And air ambulance going back, air ambulance traditionally had been handled through uh, providers, and and as and as we've moved forward in this marketplace, in this very niche marketplace, the most fixed wing and rotary wing companies now are done and privately held. And so that has really shifted the cost and shifted the dynamic uh, of what the overall payment of these, these uh, services look like. So while there are lots of opportunities, most of them fall out of network, and I think that's the biggest driver of the overall cost. The average cost of an air ambulance ride is is about forty nine thousand uh, dollars, and many times it's much much higher than that, right? And there is real no there's no real regulation in the space, and there's no real understanding as to when that air ambulance is called, who's necessarily going to come, and then what that's ultimately going to cost. We at specialty care management feel like the best way to provide solution for that is to do a, a physician to physician negotiation on that and make sure that you understand, first of all, what was the medical necessity to be transported by air in the first place? Was it the safest option? Was it medically necessary? Um, also understanding kind of the full dynamic of were there other options available? And was it a something that was specifically Asked for by the patient or was it, was it physician driven? There are a lot of different components to each specific case as you manage them that need to be addressed during the, the cost negotiation component. And so while I, I would never discourage from having that be an in network or, or any other solution in place. It, it, traditionally, we're seeing something like twenty percent as, as as really the high end of what those discounts look like. And as those trips continue or those episodes continue to rise and increase in total cost, you know. You- That is, that's a less and less effective way of managing them. So really understanding that you have to go in there with a mindset of understanding that unique case and figuring out exactly what the best way to optimize. We're seeing that, that we're doing upwards of, you know, 70 to 80% off total, off total build charges in those scenarios, even with providers that have never traditionally given it or or companies, I should say, that have never given anything over and above 30% historically.
0: So we've got about a minute left. What do you see coming down the pike in the future? What's what's new? What's on your horizon? What are you seeing out the windshield?
2: Yeah, I think in in all of these spaces, the commonality is that people are are very folks are very aware. I think a, a, one of the things that's happened is, and, and this has been a great movement for our industry, is that truly the the broker consultant has 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 worked to gain control over you know what the risk management strategy looks like and i think that for me the overarching theme here is risk management and understanding that risk management works well beyond um you know a single you know buka entity for example where you're just putting one solution in place to manage everything putting in that work and i think i'm seeing more and more of that putting in that work to truly understand through the plan document how to enter into a the the right or or compose the right risk management strategy is what I'm seeing more and more happen in the marketplace each and every day and and, and certainly year over year. And that's the exciting thing for us here at Specialty Care Management is, uh, you know, we've tried to build towards that result and towards that that marketplace, if you will, and make sure that we are part of that solution because that's really, that's what we are. But we're we're going to be, we're excited to be part of the solution to manage the overall risk associated with these high dollar, high cost claims and be that tool for the representation of self-funded health plans to be able to put in a very robust risk management strategy that enhances value for both the plan and its membership together.
0: And that's a great place to end our conversation today, Craig Clemente, President and COO at Specialty Care Management. Craig, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience.
2: David, thank you so much for having me.
1: The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.